The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton reviews what's been happening since the last time the Rams hit the court. And now, here's George. All right, welcome back, fans. Rams Rewind is back. We have finished, or kind of finished, the series on newcomers, so now... We're going to talk about the entire roster, the state of the VCU roster. As Media Day is fast approaching, by the time you've heard this, uh, Atlantic 10 Media Day will have dropped. So there will be uh, votes out and, and, the, and, the, and the media will have had their say on who they think is going to do well in the conference. So we're getting close. We're not that far away. Uh, as we record this, the black and gold game is only four days away. And here with us to talk about the state of the VCU roster is a gentleman from the the newspaper that I once worked for, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He is Wayne Epps. He has covered VCU for five years. He also covers James Madison football, which is becoming one of the bigger stories in college football as the season goes goes on. Wayne, welcome to Rams Rewind. Thank you for joining us. Of course. I'm really happy to be on with you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's, it's great to have you. And I said we finished the newcomer series, but there was another newcomer to the roster that was added very late. And we're going to ask him. We're going to start with that. With start with Wayne and talk about that a little bit. And that's Obi Okafor from I think it's Be- I think he's uh, at Bethel High School. Uh, was he some sort of a recruited walk on? Was he somebody that was like filling out the last scholarship? Uh, Wayne, tell us about this young man that's joined uh, VC's program. Yeah, so um, he was a recruited walk-on, preferred walk-on, um, and uh, it wasn't a situation with him where he didn't have college interest. Uh, he's a very good student, um, had had uh, offers from Brown, Cornell, uh, and also Hampton, you know, closer to his home area. Uh, but it was a situation where, um, you know, some of his, his coaches made contact with VCU coaches that kind of talked over the summer, and uh, Obi felt like, uh, you know, VCU was the best spot for him to continue to grow his game. Um, you know, it's funny. You look at these, you know, 6'9", 216. I was joking with someone that, you know, some walk-ons are unlike others. And, and you don't find too many, you know, 6'9", walk-ons, you know, with, with this pedigree. Uh, so I think on VCU's end, you know, it's, it's a great, um, I don't want to say project, but great, great player that can work with to continue to grow his game and with the physical uh, tools that he already brings to the table uh, and not having to worry about a scholarship with that, at least, at least right now. And for Obi, you know, it's an opportunity where he felt like he, I think he wanted to go to a program like VCU that he knew would challenge him, uh, have, a, have a chance to, to, to win on a, on a, on a, a bigger level uh, right away, and uh, you know, also closer to home as well. So, so um, you know, it kind of kind of worked out for both sides. So it was kind of again a little bit of an unusual thing where it's a six nine guy who has some options to get to, to play on scholarship from other places, but felt like VCU was the right spot for him. Uh, and, and kind of came together that way. So I think I think for VCU was fortunate because you know I was they they needed some front court 
um, additions and fortification just with all the guys they lost, uh, you know, through transfer and graduation in the front court. Um, Jalen Deloach, you know, as a sophomore, is the only returning front court player. So they've really been stocking up on front court guys. And again, getting a guy like that um, and now not having to worry about getting him on scholarship either right now, I think is a, is a big boon for, Jay, for VCU. Well, that's a perfect transition. Let's start with the front court because one thing there is for all these, for a lot of the new guys that, have, that are coming into this program, is there's opportunity. Because as you rightly say, Jalen Deloach is your only regular returning starter or regular player who played a lot of minutes in the front court that's back. So, you know, between all the different guys that have come in, uh, the, the one of the Michigan transfers, Brandon Johns, uh, you know, uh, Christian Fermin, who was the, maybe the prize of the whole class, there's a whole lot of opportunity. Toby Lawall, who we, who we did, a, who we had an episode about uh, uh, during the series that we were talking about. So there, there is a lot of opportunity up front. It seems like this is a tough year to have a front court that's as new as this because there's a lot of experienced, very good front courts, especially at the top of the league. Uh, how do you view VCU's situation? How do you think the minutes could end up being shared uh, in, in those positions? I think there's going to be a lot of minutes up for grabs. You know, um, I would expect a guy like Jalen to, to be be there as a starter sort of right away. Um, you know, but for that other spot, I think I think there's a ton tons of minutes up, up for grabs and guys can be really fighting for it. Um, I would maybe give the upper hand early to a guy like Brandon John Jr. Um, because of his, his experience. I think that's something that VCU needs and in our lineup is, is more experience. Again, especially losing a guy like Levi Slacker III uh, from last season. Um, and, you know, just again, he's another guy whose physical tools really jump off the page. Hasn't Didn't obviously put up big numbers at Michigan, but I think he's a guy that, that uh, VCU think they can get a lot out of. So I would expect him to get some early opportunity to get some of those minutes. But um, and a guy like Toby Lawal um, really reminds me a lot of Hassan Ward, who obviously was another a transfer out. Um, everything we've seen of him, VCU has posted some some clips of his vertical, you know, on Twitter. And everything we've seen of him is that he's a big time high flyer, just like Hassan was. So He's also maybe a little bit of a project uh, originally from London and, you know, picked up basketball a little bit later in life, um, just like Hassan did. Um, so maybe game's still a little bit of raw, but those physical tools are there, too. Um, and then Christian Furman, like you said, you know, could be the prize of the class with a high talent recruit, Tyrell 100 guy, um, you know, out of Pennsylvania. Um, and it seems like he can do, he can do a little bit of, of it all. It could be a big time rebounder. Uh, could be a score inside for VCU. Uh, I'm curious to see just how ready he is early to begin as a freshman. Um, that'll be one of the things to watch on Saturday in the black and gold game just to see how he kind of settles into the atmosphere as a freshman. But um, because w- w- with the expectation that he has on him, I think he could could, could fight for some minutes as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's intriguing. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot, lot up for grabs. Um, again, I think Jalen would, would probably be the, the most certain thing there to begin the year. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how the rotation kind of uh, plays out over the course of the uh, course of the early part of the season. One of the things that, that I and, and some of the guests I had on talking about some of our newcomers speculated about is that we might be seeing a more pressing style from VCU. There might be more of a return to the Havoc roots. A lot of these front court players would certainly fit that style. Is that is that sort of indication you've been getting in, in, in whether you've had conversations with coaches or seen anything in practice or anything like that, that we might be seeing more of that this year? I kind of a little bit of inklings just just because I um, got a chance to chat with um, Mike Rose just before the start of preseason practice. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, he, Kind of, kind of, beginning of practice this year was going to be almost like a, a boot camp, um, getting the guys up to speed and playing that defense. 
Um, what you said, you know, it's typically like that every year, but it sounds like this year in particular, just because of all the new guys, the seven newcomers total are the most since, um, you know, his first year when he had to kind of cobble together a roster uh, with all the the transfers, you know, when he came in uh, from Rice. Um, so it's a lot of, a lot of new faces. And, you know, he said the toughest thing for new guys coming to the program is just to understand just how intense it is to play in that defense and what it takes. I think we've seen some transfers over the past couple of years that maybe it didn't, it didn't work out because maybe they didn't fit into that system. And so now, you know, these guys, new guys coming over are going to have to grasp it quickly because they don't really be asked for um, a lot of responsibility is going to be on their shoulders early. Uh, so I think they're really trying to drum that in early. But another reason I, I would I would suspect that the pressing more this year as well because the, the strength of the team is sort of the top of the press in the backcourt, obviously led by Ace and Jaden. You know, going to sort of be those those um, sort of the head this head of the snake as, as Coach Rosa said. Um, so because because those guys are the most experienced and the most um, the biggest certainties on this roster right now, um, I think I think that can also lend itself to, to being more aggressive in the press as well and create some opportunities off of steals and things like that. So um, so yeah, I would I would definitely say so. At the small forward swingman position, Jameer Watkins is back after one year off with an injury. I was so excited a year ago for him, and then he gets hurt. I thought he was going to make the leap that Vince made, not this past year, but the previous year where he went from a, a, you know, a very good role player to an almost an all-conference player. And I felt like Watkins was going to make that leap last year, and it certainly, it certainly changed the nature of how VCU plays. How close do you think he is back to being the kind of player that he looked like he was going to be before this injury? Yeah, that, that would be a huge question. Um, you know, uh, like, like you said, taking that leap, I definitely expected that as well. That's something Mike Rosa talked about a lot over his 10 years. He feels like the, um, the biggest leap a player can take is that leap from freshman to sophomore year. And um, I was, you know, the, the numbers that maybe jump off the page, we saw a lot of just intangibles and, and a lot of potential in Jameer as a freshman. Um, and so, um, so I definitely expected that. And he's a guy who's already, because of what he showed that freshman year, already starting to garner some NBA conversation, you know, with his, with his length and a guy who kind of fits that NBA wing type of mold. Um, so, so I'm curious to see how he comes out. You know, it's obviously tough for any player missing a full year. And he just, he just gained full clearance, you know, the beginning of this month. Uh, he still wasn't a hundred percent full go for practice until then. So I, you know, I imagine now he's still kind of getting his feet under him going full 100 percent, you know, contact and practice and things of that sort. Um, but, he did, you know, I'm sure you've seen he has posted a lot of uh, dunking videos, <laughs> you know, over, over the past few months of him just kind of showing he still has that vertical, uh, even though he's coming off that, that ACL. So that's an encouraging sign. Um, but as far as just that getting that conditioning back, you know, because guys talk about like you can run all you want. But until you get into, you know, playing some pickup games and playing full five on five, full court, that's a different level of conditioning. So I'm sure he's still getting that up as well. Um, so, so, you know, I hope for him that, you know, he, he is uh, progressing well because um, he was a guy last year who was going to be a starter. So I'm curious if he'll, he will be in that starting lineup coming off the coming off starting this year at the three. Um, but um, but but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see see him back and, and hope for him that he, he takes the lead that everyone thought he was going to take last year. Well, that just goes perfectly into my final question about the front court. And I know it's tough to project now. We haven't had the black and gold game. We haven't had the preseason game with Shippensburg. We've got, you know, almost another month before game one. So there's a lot of there's a lot to go through. There's a lot of practices. We don't know what's going to happen with injuries or any of that stuff. God forbid anybody gets hurt. But gut feeling today, how do you think the starter, who is starting in the front court for the first game of the season? 
Um, I, if I had to put money on it, I, I would say Jalen and uh, Brandon Johns Jr., you know, the four and five is what I would say. Just again, because Jalen is the returner uh, and he played so well last year. And in the, in the minutes, even though his minutes weren't huge, his rebounding percentage was was, was uh, very encouraging. So that showed you that possibly once he gets more minutes this year, that's going to only continue to increase. Um, and he is a tough player as well. Um, and, and then again, with Brandon's experience, I think he, he's a logical piece to throw in there uh, early. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I think I think uh, you know maybe a Christian or, or Toby, uh, even an Obi, could be on his heels if, if he doesn't, if it, you know, if, it, if the numbers aren't where where the coaching staff wants it. So I think it's gonna be a lot of competition there. So that's gonna be fun to watch. And at small forward, um, I, I would say I would say uh, I would say Jameer. Yeah, I would say Jameer. Um, I was in Knicks. Knicks gonna be in that conversation as well. Even Vats could get some um, some some uh, decent minutes there uh, to start. But um, but I would say Jameer there. Well, good. That that takes us over to the backcourt, which you mentioned, and you talked about uh, how important they are as the head of the snake if they are going to go back to the pressing style. I mean, I don't want to overdo it, but it feels like they're kind of loaded at backcourt now. Ace is back. You know, they, they've gotten some really good – you know, Zeb Jackson, the transfer from, from Michigan. Uh, I had I did an episode with one of your coworkers, Zach jo- Joachim, Joachim, excuse me, about, about uh, Fats Billups and, and what he can bring to the table. Uh, Nick Kern is back. Jaden Nunn is back. And, and, you know, we've got Josh Banks, David Shriver – this is a backcourt with a lot of talent, but it's also a puzzle for, for Mike Rose to put this together because there's only but so many minutes. You know, do you think we might see a lot of three guard lineups because of that? Because you just, it's going to be hard to keep all these guys off the floor, especially if they're playing well. You know, how, how does Mike Rhodes ma- manage that, that end of it? I, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, something, I guess, in basketball in general, but also at VCU, you've seen more of that. Position, almost positionless thing where you know they're not afraid to throw out throw out you know so almost three guards you know in those first three spots. Um, so I, I, again, like I said, with all, with a guy like Josh, who's an experienced guy as well, he's in that mix. And um, you know, I, how does he get his minutes? Maybe that comes in the lineup like that because uh, I definitely expect Ace and Jaden to get the, the lion's share of it. Um, then another older guy like like Zeb Jackson, where, where does he fit too? Um, I guess he, he could almost be like a backup to to, to Jaden at the two guard spot. But he's also kind of a combo guard, just like Jaden. So there's there's so many so many lineup possibilities you, you could throw in there. Even last year, you saw increasingly um, because Jaden was playing so well, and he's also again a combo guard. Jaden was taking the ball off the floor, and Ace was playing more off the ball um, to be able to you know get more opportunities to shoot to shoot that three. So um, so there, there's so many different um, possibilities there. So, so that's gonna be interesting to see how, how that plays out um and then I, I can't forget about david shriver too um you know obviously he brings that that shooting pedigree over 41 percent um three-point shooter in his career to this point so i think that will get him on the floor especially they need that with vince gone um so so um so yes yeah, like i said it's, it's so many so many guys in the stable so how they figure that out without uh upsetting anybody or you know whatever the case may be it's gonna be uh gonna be interesting so David Shriver, they they obviously recruited him because they knew three point shooting was a problem, you know, early in the season, and they didn't have Ace, and that was part of it. They were absolutely horrendous at three point shooting in the conference season. They were very good, but that's because they limited their attempts from outside three. They were way more judicious with their with their three point attempts, as a, and as a result, their percentage zoomed. I mean, it. I don't know what they finished, but there were there were points in the conference season where they were shooting forty eight percent from three, which was scarcely believable if you watched this team the first seven, eight games last year. 
David Shriver's got to get on the floor. How much does he get on the floor? I mean, is he somebody that that is going to have the green? And, and here's the other question: Is he going to be somebody that has the absolute green light? Like if you got if you've got the shot, you're shooting it because we absolutely need that to be a little more balanced, to bust the zones, to maybe to maybe kind of spread these these defenses out. And, and have a little more room for Ace to operate in the paint areas, for instance, or for Zeb or for even Fats Phillips. Yes, 100 percent. I think that green light is going to be very, very bright. Mike <laughs> um, Rose even said, uh, you know, back early in the offseason you know, on his radio show that uh, he, t- he kind of jokingly told David Shire that if he doesn't shoot it, he's going to run out on the floor and tackle him. So <laughs> so that, 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 that's, how, that's, how, that's how, how green that light is going to be, because uh, like I said, they need that. And offensively that's that's what kind of in a sense held his team back last year um obviously they got off to such a slow start ace um i think it, it speaks that the ace helped them so much but they still finished um uh, so bad in like, so many offensive categories nationally uh, especially turnovers which mike rose said it recently as well that that's something they're really harping on in preseason as well because that, 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 that was a real uh, achilles heel for this team again last year um, but, but yeah, you know, Vince, Vince shot, you know, the most three had the best percentage last year. Um, and with him gone, you know, they need David Shriver to play. So I think he's going to get a lot of minutes because of that. Uh, like you said, to, so that teams don't, don't throw that zone at them and, and they're kind of stuck in the mud. Uh, he needs someone who can shoot over it. So, um, so I, I expect to see him a lot, but again, where does that fit in? <laughs> you know, with, 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 cause you definitely want Ace and Jaden on the floor too. So that's, that's going to be interesting to see how some of those lineups, um, you know, settle themselves. You mentioned Jaden. Jaden, I thought, actually was really, really good early in the season. And then I, I don't know what happened, but it felt like his shot selection fell off and his decision-making fell off a little bit at the end of the year. I don't know if it was a lot of minutes. I don't know if it was just hitting the wall because he was a freshman and he was playing so much. You know, how much has Jaden worked on his outside shot? And will that be more consistent this year? Uh, yes, it needed to be. I think I think one thing that impressed me about him as a freshman, he's had almost that that bones like uh, confidence um, to create create his own shot. Um, but like I said, it wasn't always uh, efficient. So um, you know, I'm, I, I, I would I would you know 100 you know imagine that that's something he's really worked on this off season. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully talking to him you know coming up later this preseason about about that. Um, but you know they, they need that from him again to just another, another guy to spread the floor, especially at that two guard spot. Um, one, one thing about Ace, um, you know, he, he doesn't he didn't shoot a ton of three, but he's very uh, efficient. And so and having another guy in the backcourt who who can be efficient um, shooting the three, I mean, like I said, selective with, with shooting the three, uh, I think will be important. So, um, you know, I, I you know I definitely would guess that's something he's, he's really worked on because he has the ability to create it. It's just making those making those attempts. You mentioned the turnovers because that was really was. I mean, this was one of the worst teams in the country for turnovers last year. And when you looked at the numbers. And all the numbers, you know, the advanced stats and the, and the NCAA stats. I mean, if you had to pinpoint one thing that absolutely killed this team, especially at the end of the season, that was it. We know what a fantastic point guard ace is. This is a huge year for him. Has does he does he has he gotten it or does he understand that that he's got to sort of be the metronome that he's got to keep this team in the right tempo on offense and kind of get everybody else to slow down because I won't because it really wasn't. It, it wasn't much often that it was Ace that was having the problem with these things. It was a lot of these other players, to me, trying to play too fast, and they're and they're and they were kind of their brains were going too fast for their bodies, and they would make these mistakes or dribble it off their foot or these other things. This is this is a huge year for Ace Baldwin, and I feel like he's absolutely critical to their success 
much more this year because, again, if this team can stop turning the ball over, they're actually a pretty good offensive team when they don't. But the turnovers were it – was, it, was, it was a joke last year how bad it was. And even if you take the first seven games out, it, what happened at the end of the season, it was, it was just – it was right in your face and it was terrible. Yeah, I would agree. So, um, yeah, he, he needs to. He's an upperclassman now. Uh, like I said, it's his team now. He's almost the face of the team in a sense now. So he needs to take that leadership role. And uh, like I said, you know, a lot of guys were culpable for those turnovers. But, um, you know, as, as, as good as so many things that Ace has done well, I think he also – you saw a lot last year where I, I call him almost just like, um, you know, un, 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 unreasonable or just kind of like um, – you know, you see a lot of turnovers in transition where he might try, you know, a balance pad or something like that. It just um, was unrealistic with the word I was looking for. Um, so I think he has to limit some of those and do be a little bit, bit better decision maker in that sense as well. Uh, and, and I don't think offensively, um, you saw at times, you know, um, Mike Rose talked a lot about just, just their motion on offense and sort of reversing the ball around the perimeter to find the right shot. I think he has to continue to make sure he's doing a good job of, of uh, initiating that at the, when he is bringing the ball up the, up the court and getting them into their offense because that's something that, you know, when they're stagnant, um, you, you see them jacking up one of those inefficient threes at the end of the shot clock. And, you know, we, you know how those those usually go. It's usually like, a brick, how so. those usually go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, so yeah, yeah I, I would say he's understanding. He's had a lot of basketball under his belt now. He's healthy. You know, last year, that's something you, you can't underestimate as well. Last offseason, you know, he didn't really have an offseason because he was coming back from an Achilles injury. So he's had all summer to work on his game um, and work on, work on, on, on being a leader for this group. So I expect to see him take a leap in that now as a junior. Could one of the advantages that VCU has this year is that Mike Rhodes could deploy so many kind of different kind of lineups, you know, really small, three, even four guards on the floor with, say, you know, a Brandon Johns playing center or, or Deloach or Firmin or whoever playing center. You know, a fast sort of NASCAR lineup, again, the same kind of thing. And maybe, you know, even even somebody like, you know, if, if, even somebody like Watkins at the center quote-unquote position, but it's just – it's a whole bunch of the, the guards just running, running, running. They could press. They could go – they can kind of go big a little bit if they want to with, you know, Fermin and Johns and and uh, and some of these other big – and some of these other big guys that they got, Toby. You know, how much do you think Mike Rhodes is thinking of doing that, is looking at that? Is that something do you think we might we might see a lot of that in these two games coming up, the black and gold game and the game against Shippensburg? Yes, yes, hundred uh, percent. Um, you know, because again, they have the personnel now to, to do it. Um, it will be interesting to see how early, how early they, they, they deploy that. Just again, because of the, so many guys are new, and I wonder about um, just again, they maybe the conditioning level of playing in, in that yet. And I wonder about something they have to kind of build up to before they start deploying some some of that. But because they have so so many um, so many bodies, you know, that that, that arm here, um, as Rose has said over the years, um, I, I think I think that allowed well allowed them to play that and they and allow them to, to sub regularly to keep those guys fresh while playing that style. Um, you know, Jamal Bryant has kind of been that, that guy who keeps track of minutes over the years on, on staff, and they kind of have their own system of how they, they rotate guys out so to make sure they're, they're fresh playing and, uh, with pressing every possession and playing fast. Uh, now you have so many guards. I think that allows you to do that even more. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely expect to see, to see even more of that. Well, and, and, and then I, I go back to the end of the season last year because, you know, we were all – they're sitting here – they take the floor in St. Louis with a conference championship or at least a shared conference championship on the line, number one seed in the conference tournament, potentially an at-large bid up for grabs, and everything just went terribly, terribly wrong. And one of the weird things about 
that stretch of games at the end of the season was how short the bench got because that's absolutely the opposite of Mike Rhodes' mantra uh, this year. You know, it's a whole – it's the Army. It's the Army off the bench. That's been our thing. It's like we're just going to – we're going to play 10, 11 guys and we're going to wear you down. And you might you might be on top of us early, but you're going to be sucking win at the end and that's when we're going to get you. And it didn't happen at the end of the season, which was bizarre. You know, how much how much is that end of the season – is on the mind of the coaching staff is on the mind of the players. The fact that they had all these things in front of them and it, and it, and it, it, it just went, it all shattered. It all could turn to dust and they, and they really missed out on some potentially great opportunities and how much making up for that is, is on the minds of these players and these coaches this year. Yeah. I'll say a lot. I think you even see it in their scheduling. Um, I think one thing maybe that's frustrated the staff, you know, Jay Martelli, their uh, director of basketball operations, is kind of their schedule wizard, you know, as far as looking at the, the numbers, the net ranking, and figuring out the right formula of winning, winnable games, but also games that will help them in their net. And they, they've, you know, somehow been, you know, picked some, some really good opponents, so maybe opponents that are lesser known, but then those opponents go on and, and do really well in conference and, you know, make things better tournament, things of that sort, and, and it helps them a little bit, but... Um, I think I think in taking a step of, of uh, drastic step of taking ODU off their schedule and saying, hey, we want to play the best, the best games we feel possible. Um, I think they helped that resume because for so long down the back stretch of that year, they were you know on the bubble, on the bubble, on the bubble, um, and, and just you know slightly missed um, because because of that loss to, to Richmond, um, you know the Open Asian tournament play, uh, but they had that opportunity right there in front of them. So I, I would I would say I would say it's it's, it's, it's huge fuel, um, and, and that's that's just evident early evidence of it the way they're scheduled. Um, to make sure that um, you know, one they're they're in good good position to make the NCAA tournament. That's that's first and foremost, I think. But uh, also, they want to make sure that, you know they're continue to be a player, um, you know, at the top of the league. Because, um, like I said, they had it all in front of them. Could have could have could have uh, gotten that share of the, of the season title with the win on St. Louis, and it was one of their the worst games of the year, to be honest. And until they until they staged a the comeback late, um, but by then it was it was kind of too little, too late. Um, so, so I'll, I'll say, I'll say that's, that's, that's huge for, especially particularly for a guy like Ace, um, being a leader on that team last year and now being the leader this year, uh, I'll say that, that's, that's very fresh in his mind. Again, perfect segue. You talked about the league, uh, as we're recording this, it's the night before the, the media day for the A-10. By the time this drops, it'll either have gone on or it'll be in the midst of going on. I presume you, you are going to be one of the people that are going to vote for, you know, who, who you think is going to finish where and all those preseason awards and all that. The top of this league is really tough. I, I feel like there's three teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament, and that's the floor. The ceiling could be four or five, depending on who else can show up in there, VCU being one of those maybe teams. I think it's going to be hard to, to get above Davidson, St. Louis, and, of course, Dayton, who are just loaded. Uh, how do you see VCU's position you know, you don't have to disclose your vote if you want to, but but if you feel like it, go right ahead. You know, how would you, how, where would you vote VCU in this conference uh, when when media day takes place tomorrow? Yeah, uh, like I said, top of the league, I, I would say it's kind of head and shoulders at least heading in, just because of some experience there. You know, Dayton, realistically, you know, possibly a, a preseason top twenty-five team. Um, just just returning all their starters and St. Louis, you know, getting Javante Perkins back and Francis Francis Ocaro and Yuri Collins, you know, there's that's some stacked experience um, that's back there as well. So I have them two, you know, at the very top as far as Dayton and St. Louis. Um, but you know, I, I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, on my ballot, I have VCU at, at three, right, right behind them. So um, just because um, the experience they brought in, even even though so many newcomers, it was experienced um, newcomers, plus uh, highly touted, you know. 
uh, freshmen that they brought in as well. Um, and and one thing I've learned, you know, my time on the beat is that whenever you know, it seems like there's a lot of questions for VCU, they always somehow seem to, seem to figure it out to be right there in that top four conversation. You know, it was the same thing last year. Like they lose bones. It's like, oh, you know, what is they don't have ace to start the year. It's like, you know, this team could be a rebuilding year, but then they come out and, you know, ace comes back. And before you know it, you know, their last day of the regular season, they have a chance to win the regular season title. Um, so I know, I've learned not to not to doubt VCU's ability to figure it out, even when there's a lot of questions. So I have them three just because of the, what the ceiling could be, um, and then uh, and then Loyal are right behind them for that that top four theoretical double buy team. So um, so that's what I had. Richmond behind them as well, just because Tyler Burden and even though they lost him a lot a lot too, um, you know Mooney's experienced coach, and, and I expect them to also be be in the conversation as well. So that, that was kind of my top five um, voting voting heading into some, to tomorrow, um, but. Man, they in St. Louis. They're gonna be. They look tough to beat. They look like they can be tough to beat at least. Yes, uh, I, I'm looking forward to VCU's games with them because because both of them. I mean, it's so early to even have these discussions. But you talk about we all we, we all get to talk about quad one wins and all these sorts of things because you know VCU was it was had a few of those and was in position to get a few more last year. You know those things are important, and I think. At least from my perspective, the reason that the light non-conference schedule maybe came up a little light this year is that the conference has come up real strong, really, really strong. Wayne, this has been great. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I really, really appreciate it. Anything on social media that you want to pump up, anything that you want to tell people to look for in the Richmond Times-Dispatch and online, you let us have it. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm just on Twitter uh, at Wayne Epps Jr. So, you know, I try to post, you know, I was uh, VC News and Notes there. And uh, you can find uh, our stories at richmond.com slash sports as well. So, And look for Wayne's coverage of James Madison because, as I said at the start, JMU is in the midst of maybe the greatest season by a first-year team in FBS ever. And it's going to be a national story if they go undefeated since they can't even get to a bowl game because they're ineligible, can't even win their conference championship because they're ineligible, yet they could go, you know, 11 or 12 and 0 or 10 and 1 or 11 and 1, whatever it is, it'd be something else. Also, uh, we have to mention it because it was a big thing on, on social media today, this afternoon as I was getting ready. You know, Rob Brandenburg uh, was missing for a while, but he's been found. He's been safe. Uh, we both, both of us on here are certainly pray for whatever – recovery that he needs and, and hope that his mental and physical health is all right. And we're just glad to hear that there was some good news about him today because, of course, member of the Final Four team and a great part of this VCU community, uh, highly respected player, and we wish him all the best. So that is Rams Rewind. Uh, I'm not sure when the next time I'm going to be on, but we'll have something for you uh, before the season starts for sure, maybe a couple different things. And uh, thanks you all for listening. If you, if you like this program and want to help us out and send us a little dough, there's a tip jar on, on Podbean. There's a there's a few links in the VCU Good and Bad and the Ugly where you can also donate. Thank you all for listening. Uh, have a great day, night, everyone. Thank you. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.